Are you looking for inspiration and words of wisdom so you can go out and launch your own business? This is the Lost and Founded podcast, bringing you raw and relatable stories of successful entrepreneurs, committed startups and personal experiences that are here to inspire, inform and influence. My name is Nicola. And my name is Stephanie. In this season of the Lost and Founded podcast, we are spotlighting entrepreneurs with a purposeful business, highlighting their personal journey and recognizing the value which they create through their business. In today's episode, we'll be speaking with Tiwa Ogunlesi, founder of Confident and Killing It. She's a globally recognized and qualified life coach who specializes in positive psychology and is a well-established international speaker and author. She founded Confident and Killing It in 2017 as a response to the generational cycle of low self-esteem amongst women and girls. Through engaging workshops, coaching sessions, and podcasts, Tiwa equips women with the tools they need to overcome fear and self-doubt. Since starting in 2017, she's upskilled over 7,000 women in London, New York City, Lagos, and other locations globally, whilst delivering engaging experiences for brands and organizations such as Google, Facebook, The Times, Deloitte, UN Women UK, the Oprah Winfrey Leadership Academy, and many more. Welcome to you. It's such a pleasure to have you on the Lost and Powder podcast. How are you today? Thank you for having me. I'm great, thank you. Excited to be here. I'm glad to hear. Would you be able to tell us a bit more about Confident and Killing It and um, what your daily schedule looks like? Yeah, absolutely. So Confident and Killing It is a movement. It's a purpose-driven organization that wakes women up to their worth so they can be confident, unstoppable, and dare to live the life that they truly desire. Um, I noticed a lot of media that we consumed as teenagers, as women, Uh, makes us feel bad about ourselves. And so I really wanted to make it my mission to create a company that puts positive messages out there so that the messages of self-love and self-belief and living life on your own terms are just as loud as the messages of, you know, uh, flat tummy tea and get the perfect summer body and you can't have hair and you can't do this and you can't do that as a woman. So yeah, it's really just like, spreading counter-cultural messages, but in a really fun and engaging way um, that allows women to take ownership of their lives and live life to the fullest. So yeah, that's a bit about the company. Um, There's quite a few pillars. Um, There's a podcast, there's corporate coaching that I do. Um, There's also a book coming out in uh, July, which is really exciting. I have an academy with courses and coaching. Um, And yes, a whole ecosystem of content, which is really cool. My day looks like um, I wake up around 8.30. I'm really not one of those like 5 a.m., 4 a.m. sees the day people. I don't see the point in that at all. Um, so, and also the pandemic made me more of a night owl. So my brain gets really creative at at like 10, 11. So I just like, it doesn't make sense for me to be asleep at that time. So yeah, so I wake up around 8.30. I wish I was one of those people who was like, as soon as I wake up, I meditate and, you know, I do some yoga, but actually I check my phone and (laughs) being totally honest, uh, I scroll, make sure my scrolling doesn't go past 30 minutes. So 
I do like maybe 15, 10 minutes of scrolling. Um, I get up. I love to do like Pilates or go on a walk. So I'll do that as well. Have some green tea. When I'm feeling very on top of it, I will do some kind of mindfulness meditation. And I will do like maybe an hour of reading in the morning before I then get up and start my day. So I start my work from about uh, 10, 11-ish and really just kind of like power through. Um, and then I always make sure like around four or five, I, I go for like a one hour walk just to like break the day and just have like one hour like digital free um, and I just go for a walk. Um, my day usually in terms of work, it's I will have client meetings if I'm running a corporate workshop. So I will either be getting briefed by the client or preparing to run my sessions. Um, I also have my team meetings. So I have like two members on my team that I work with. Um, in the evenings, I have coaching sessions with my paid members. Uh, so I will run those workshops then. And um, some mornings, if I'm not having a busy morning, I'll carve out time for to actually create content. So some social media content and things like that. So, yeah, that's pretty much my day. I'm very glad you said that you're not one of the people who wakes up early because so many people say it. I'm like, but how do you do it? I, like, There was a time where I decided to do that, wake up early, but it was just so much more exhausting. So thank you for saying that because I do the same. I wake up and I scroll for a little while <laughs> and it's just so beneficial. Um, as I said, we are spotlighting purposeful businesses this season. So how would you define what a purposeful business is to you? I think a purposeful business is a business where you are thinking of the bigger picture. There's a, there's a reason for what you're doing. There's an impact and whatever it is that you're doing is creating a positive impact in the world. So to me, purpose means being in the service of something bigger than yourself. So um, I think in life, it's important to know who you are, know what you want and to live the life that you want. But if it's all about you, you give up easily, you kind of get a bit sidetracked, you know, you just get consumed by you. But at the end of the day, life is not all about you. So for me, living with purpose and building a purposeful business is like a business that fulfills my needs as an individual, but also has a positive impact on the on the world and the people around me and my community. Could you tell us a bit more about what drove you to start Confident and Killing It and uh, what level of planning did you have to undertake in the early stages? Yeah, so I, after I graduated from university, I, um, I was, I, I put myself under pressure, but it was just like societal pressure. You know, everyone's like, so what, have you gotten a job? Have you gotten a job? Have you gotten a job? So I, um, took the first job that said yes to me and I ended up moving to Oxford. Um, so I was, I was in uni in London at UCL and then I ended up moving to Oxford for my first ever job in a marketing company, no, in an engineering company, but in their marketing department. So I was marketing things like caps and plugs and like PCB boards and things that go into like cars and fridges. And it was just like, when I got there, I was just like, wait, what? Like, I do not care about this at all. Um, so when I realized that actually passion isn't just something you can turn on and turn off for everything, like passion is actually something that is deeply ingrained within you. I was like, okay, I need to do something with more purpose because I was just selling things that I didn't care about. And I, I didn't want to be like one of those people who just 
was stuck in a job that they hated and stayed that way. So I decided to volunteer with my local church just to like do something with more meaning. And then um, when I was volunteering, I was volunteering as a youth leader. So every Friday for a year, I would hang out with teenage girls and just mentor them and just like encourage them in their faith and things like that. And like listen to some of the challenges they were experiencing. And what I began to notice was a lot of the things I was insecure about as a teenager at 16, they were having the same issues. And I was mentoring in my early 20s, so um, mid-20s. So it was literally maybe almost 10 years later, right, that the issues I had were still the same issues teenage girls were having. And the issues I had were the issues my mom had. And I was like, something isn't right here. There's a generational cycle of low self-esteem in women and girls. And it's almost like a rite of passage. Like it's just something everybody has. Like I didn't meet one girl who was like, oh yeah, I love my body and I love who I am. Like it just wasn't a thing. I think now, um, you know, with like, I see a lot on TikTok, like younger girls are way more aware of like being unapologetic in who they are. But, you know, before it really wasn't that way. So I was like, enough is enough. Like something needs to be done. And I wanted to just share a message of love and self-belief because I had started my own confidence journey. So in my final year of uni, um, when I was about 21, I started reading books on personal development and I started understanding about how my mind worked and how I could make my mind be positive and my mind could love me and I didn't have to be mean to myself and like understanding self-compassion. And when I started my confidence journey, I saw so much love and joy and energy and confidence come out of me. I was like, wow, why don't enough people know this? Because everywhere I went in the room, it was just women complaining about their bodies or being insecure or sabotaging themselves. And I was like, hang on, why aren't more people talking about this? Like life doesn't have to be that way. Like you deserve to love yourself and it can actually be your reality. So that inspired me to start changing the narrative and creating content that would help people wake up to their mindset. And then as I was doing that, I learned about um, life coaching. And so I decided to, um, start like reading loads of um, life um, life coaching books and reading loads of just like personal development books. And then I would take the content I was reading in the books because no one else in their early 20s was reading these books. So I was reading them. I would take out key pieces of content and then create videos about them. And so in that way, people wouldn't read the books, but they would listen to me because they I looked like them. I was young. They're young. Like they liked hearing from me. Um, so that was kind of like what I was doing in the beginning. And then I, I decided like, I actually want to make this a, a career. So I went to do my official like life coaching qualifications. And then I started off coaching university students. And then I kind of like grew my business and started coaching women in their careers and entrepreneurs and things like that. Amazing. As you described it, it just sounded like it could be a movie, like, you know, starting off at that age, how you see through, you find the solution, or you try to find a solution. It basically sounds like a movie. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I posted um, my five year journey on Instagram back in 2020 because that was like five years since I graduated from university. And yeah, it really has been such a beautiful journey. But I think why I've been able to do so much in such a short time is because of that intentionality. 
I think so many of us are just living life on autopilot and we just think, you know, we have a fixed mindset. We just think, oh, my life is my life. There's nothing I can do about it. Or this is just how I am. Or this is just who I am. I can't change myself. And that's absolutely wrong. Like if anyone is in their twenties listening to this, the number one piece of advice I would give you is to know yourself. And if you want to build a business, the first thing you need to know when you build a business is yourself, because if you are not aware of your strengths and your weaknesses and your passions, you're going to build a business on like on rocky, a rocky foundation, right? But when you know who you are, what you're good at doing, um, you know, where your strengths lie, what your vision is, you build your business at the intersection of what I call your power circle. And your power circle is where your strengths, passions, and values align. If you build a business in alignment with those things, it will be a successful business. And work will never feel like work. If you build a business that has nothing to do with what you're passionate about, but it makes you money and it has nothing to do with your strength, it's going to come crumbling down at some point and lead to a lot of stress in your life. So um, self-awareness is so key for anyone thinking of starting a business. And it's actually a really fun journey to go on discovering yourself. Amazing. So you quickly mentioned that there's, I think, two people within the team um, who help you. So can you tell us a bit more about that? And are you looking to have more people in the team or are you kind of just going to take it as it comes and keep it a little bit small scale? Yeah, so... Um I'm I'm a big vision thinker and it, it really annoys me because sometimes I'm just like, who asked you to be so ambitious? Like, why couldn't you just be like, honestly, if I was just a one woman team and I didn't have to pay salaries and I just took all the money that I got from brands, like my life would be chill. But unfortunately, I'm ambitious and I literally want to change the world to make sure that every single woman and girl out there knows that she can love herself as the norm rather than the exception. So that requires making sure things are done on a big scale so we can reach more people. So I have a social media and community coordinator. Um, and so she will like um, create a plan for our social media channels and, and schedule them and kind of like coordinate and organize that. And then also our community meetups as well. She kind of like coordinates all of that. Um, and then I also have a personal assistant who uh, manages like my inbox and schedules my meetings and does a bit of like the admin chasing invoices, things like that. Um, my next kind of area of where I'm looking to grow my business is in operations. So I need to hire like an operations person who's like my number two, because I'm, um, I'm most entrepreneurs to be honest. Well, depending on who you are, you're a mix of like visionary and implementer, right? Because I had a big vision and I built it myself, um, as a side hustle for two years until I hired my first person. So if you're an entrepreneur, you need to know, are you just like a big thinker, creative, and you need a partner who's going to implement for you? Or are you somebody that can do both? So I don't have a co-founder because I never actually needed a co-founder. Like I can organize myself and implement and take action and also have the big visions and be creative. Um, so you need to know, are you more of an operations person, but you kind of like 
don't really see creativity as like a key strength of yours, then can you partner with somebody who has a good idea, but you just love implementing and taking action on things? So right now um, I've been doing both, but actually it's a lot of work to do. And so I'm looking for an operations person who can um, help more with the day-to-day management of the business whilst I continue to kind of like be the face of the business and, and work more on like the client management side. I love that. I'm really insightful look as well into how the inner workings of confident and killing it. Yeah. Um, as we know, podcasts can be a great resource and a lot of entrepreneurs are currently using them as an, another avenue to promote their businesses. Can you tell us about the focus of your podcast and what uh, impact it's had on the business? Yeah, absolutely. So it's so funny because I was so scared of starting a podcast because I just thought I had nothing podcast worthy to say. Um, And of course, this was before men started making podcasts and just destroyed the whole scene. Like now it's just like every man seems to have a podcast, like no, may get a life. Like (laughs) anyway, so this was before that. If I saw, if this had been afterwards, I would never have doubted myself. But back in the day, like it was me. Mainly only like, you know, really podcasts were really professional and, you know, you had to have ideas and say something of value. It wasn't just for bands. Um, so I was quite scared to start it because I just thought, do I have enough to say to last a whole podcast like season? And like, am I like even like smart enough to do that? And like, I know I'm a smart person, but I just always thought like podcasting was just very kind of like exclusive, like very intellectual people. So anyways, I worked through the fear and I made a a commitment to myself that I was going to start the podcast in 2020. And I did. And it's actually been the best thing I've ever done. And the best thing that has like helped grow my business. So, so many people find me through the podcast, all the messages I get, it's like, I listened to your podcast and I, it changed my life. I listened to your podcast and I left my ex. I listened to your podcast and I started my business. Like it's crazy. And I, the reason why I wanted to start it was because when you, as a business owner, you've got to think of your funnel, right? And so you've got to think, okay, what's the freebie that people can get? Like it can take a lot of people. It's free and they get a taste of who you are and what you have to offer. And then after they've had the freebie, what are you driving them to, right? Is it a 10 pound workshop or a 20 pound workshop or a 30 pound membership? And then they do that. And then after that, it's like, what's your big ticket offering, right? Because you're not going to build a business just from a 20 pound offering, right? You need kind of to stagger it. So what's your big offering after that? And so my big offering was like one-to-one coaching. So it's like, you would listen to the podcast, you would sign up to a masterclass. And then after you did a masterclass with me, you would sign up to -to one-to-one coaching. So that was initially my goal with the podcast to kind of show the world what I was capable of, the insights, but I didn't think it would get to where it is now. And we're almost at a hundred thousand downloads, which is, um, which is amazing in just two years. And I haven't even released a podcast episode this year because I've been writing my book, but I'm still getting people tagging me and they're sharing the episodes and they're commenting. So, um, yeah, it's really lovely to see. And I do recommend you, if, if it aligns with what your brand is doing and you know, you're going to be sharing something of value, I think, um, podcasts can definitely be a great avenue to go down. 
I think that's really important what you just said, because uh, like you said, it used to be such a niche thing. And then suddenly everybody was like, we need a podcast. We need this. And it was nice. People ask me because we have this at Enterprise Import. People are like, oh, but how do you do it? Should we just move some content over? I'm like, no, a podcast actually takes a lot of effort. It's not as simple as we're just going to take some interview and have a chit chat. You need to have a proper foundation of the branding and everything before you can actually start it up. So, yeah, that's really, really important. And obviously you told us really quickly about, you know, you're a qualified life coach. What sort of education and how long did it take to actually attain that status? Yeah, so um, you don't need any kind of previous qualifications or education history to be a life coach. Like literally anyone can be a life coach. It's just more about the passion and drive you have for impacting people in a positive way. So my life coaching actually took six months to do. Um, I studied Spanish and business management in uni. So again, just showing that you don't actually need to do like psychology or like any kind of thing like that. Um, and yeah, and it took six months, three, uh, the first three months were in person and then the remaining three months were online because um, the pandemic hit. But um, yeah, most of the, the good trainings will be around six months. And as you're doing it, you don't go and just like sit in a classroom and they teach you how to be a life coach. It's super practical. Like they coach you in those moments. So you're learning how to coach, but you're also getting coaching yourself. Um which is essential. So yeah. And coaching is really, is, is different to therapy because therapy is more about understanding your past to understand your present. Whereas coaching is like, where are you now? Where do you want to go? And my job as your coach is to get you there. So I'm not there to fix you. I'm not giving you advice. I'm not your mentor. My job as a coach is to ask you questions that get you thinking about your life in a different way. So yeah, it's kind of like uh, different to like traditional therapy and things like that. So you just need to be somebody who like knows how to use your intuition, um, somebody who's an active listener, because you have to listen to what your client is saying to then know what to ask them next, because the answer is always in what they're saying. And knowing that you're not the star of the show, your client is, and your job is to get them to realize that, not to show them how much you can help them. So interesting. Um, as you've mentioned, your book is being released in July and big congratulations on that. Um, how are you able to balance running confidently and killing it alongside writing and editing the book? Yeah, that that has been the hardest challenge I've ever I've ever been through. Um, when I got the book deal, I thought you know your editor kind of like writes part of the book for you, but I wrote every single word myself and edited it um, myself, like sixty six thousand words, crazy. Um, yeah, it was, I'm not going to lie, it was difficult. There were some very, very dark days because I was running confident and killing it at the same time. I was doing workshops, you know, and I I can't really tell you how I did it. I think, again, I was able to do it because what I do is at the intersection of my strengths and my passions. That is it, right? Because when I was writing, I have a strength in communication. So writing wasn't difficult for me. All the information was already in my head. It was just a matter of sitting down and using my authentic voice, right? Um, 
And then I'm naturally like passionate about like organizing and speaking to people and making sure my business is flourishing. So it was a no brainer for me, but I will say it was very stressful. Quite a few sleepless nights, headaches, things like that. Um, I would say I definitely got burnt out, but I'm in a much better place now because the book is written, it's being printed. So yeah, that's amazing. But it was definitely, it was definitely a challenge. And one of the things that kept me going again, this is why purpose is so important because I wasn't just thinking about me. I was also thinking about the person reading it. And I was thinking about the impact and the change. And like throughout when I felt like giving up, I was just visualizing like people holding the book and, you know, sending me pictures and things like that. So this is why purpose is so important because when life gets hard, if I was just doing the book for me, I would have stopped a long time ago because I'm just, I would have just been like, I'm over it. I don't need this in my life. Like, you know, I would have definitely taken very long breaks, but because I knew it was bigger than me. And I feel like, you know, through my faith, like there's such an incredible message I'm bringing to the world and I'm that vessel that's bringing it. And so if I give up now, somebody out there isn't going to hear this message and somebody out there is still going to be feeling insecure about who they are and letting their fear get in the way. And I can't live with that fact, knowing that I had the secret to somebody becoming a better version of themselves, but I let my own insecurities get in the way of that message getting to them. Well, I look forward to the book being released. I keep seeing it pop up on my Instagram where you're like holding it. I'm like, okay, yeah. we're waiting till J- July, you know, let's go. <laughs> yes, four weeks ago. I'm really excited. That's so exciting. And we always love to hear about um, the different amazing experiences that our guests have. So if you can actually pick one, what is one of the most memorable experiences that you've actually had so far as a founder? Ooh, um, I would say... <laughs> Uh, so we hosted a summer party last year. Um, it was a free event, just like, you know, I usually host like meetups, but because of the pandemic, I hadn't hosted one in a while. And so, um, we had about like 150 women show up and, the room, the energy was just like nothing I've ever seen before. It was like having like a hundred versions of myself in a room. Like it was just like the energy was just so loving and caring. And they were like, they've never been in such a space. Like, cause you know, when you go to like a networking event on your own, you go straight to the toilet first of all to just kind of like <laughs> breathe and like pump yourself up. And then you're on your phone sometimes like, no one was doing that. It was like you came straight in, even though you didn't know anyone, you connected with people, you made friends um, and people were just, there was just so much beautiful love in the air for one another. And you could also tell that that was also a reflection of how the women saw themselves. Um, So that was really memorable for me just to see that I've been able to lay a foundation for women to come together and genuinely love and support each other and like there were so many connections like two girls found out they worked in the same building and now they were the only like black women on their floor so now they have lunch together um somebody else like somebody was literally just saying like oh I really want to get into like product development and then I was standing right next to somebody who was in product development like there were just so many amazing freaky freaky connections that I just found like really beautiful and yeah it just it was just like 
everything I've been doing hasn't been for nothing. Like it's there's actually a movement, there's actually a community. People want to get to know each other. They want to they want to form community together because sometimes as a founder. It's so easy to get like sucked into your work and you think like, oh, nothing is working. Nobody cares about this. No one's liking my posts. Like no one's commenting or replying my emails. Like everybody hates me. Like the amount of times I think that and then I have to remind myself like, no, 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 no. There's something called life and life happens to people and they're not going to reply every single email you send them, but they love what you're doing and your your work is changing their own lives, even if they don't realize it yet. So yeah, it was just really nice to experience that energy from everyone in the room. It sounds like such a beautiful event and it must feel so rewarding knowing that you're enabling that to them yeah. connections and everything. Absolutely. Um, can you tell us a bit more about what your support system is like, um, whether it's in work or personal life? Yeah, I think having a support system is so important. Uh, and I'm not one of those like, oh, I'm Miss Independent. I don't need, I don't need anyone. Like that's just not true. We all need people. And I used to be one of those people who was like, oh, it's quicker to do it myself. There's no point asking for help. But actually, when you burn out really badly, you begin to realize that there's a better way to live life. Um, so I have, I like my team. Like I said, they're really supportive, and I'm learning to like delegate and give other people responsibilities and hold them accountable for that. Um, I have an amazing partner who um, we've been together for like 10 years now and he's like supported like everything that I've done and really just allows me to shine. And he's okay. Like kind of like being, being my cheerleader in the, in the kind of like backseat type of thing. So that's great. Um, my parents, I'm so grateful for my parents because in the beginning, when I first quit my job to run Confident and Killing It full time, I was living at home. I didn't have to pay bills, um, even though I only had like £1,000 left in my savings. And I was just like, I'm just going to find a way to make this work. And I wouldn't have been able to do that if I didn't have the privilege and the infrastructure and the support from my family, knowing that even if this business failed so much, I would always have a backup plan. Like I will never be, you know, completely like desolate on the streets or anything like that. So yeah, super grateful to my parents, my friends, also my community. Like whenever I've asked, I've, I've been vulnerable. Like I'm not afraid to be vulnerable because I think a big part of why people connect with me and my message is that I show I'm human. Like I'm not here to make you think I'm perfect. And that's why the first thing I said is like, I'm not going to lie. When I wake up, I scroll on Instagram. Like, I'm sorry if I'm hurting anyone's feelings. Or I've let you down. Like, <laughs> you know, it is what it is. I'm not perfect. I never want people to think I am perfect because it doesn't serve me for people to think I'm perfect. That's what other people don't realize. Like, if you only show the perfect side of your life, people think you're perfect. The moment you make a mistake, which you will because you're human, everything comes crashing down. So I'm just like, don't even put it in your head that I'm perfect. Like I'm a regular human like you and I'm going to make mistakes. So when I've been vulnerable online, like my community, they've supported me, they've encouraged me. Um, so yeah, I've, I've just like, now I just realized like asking for help is not a sign of weakness. 
And so really and truly we're human. We all need to ask for help. And actually asking for help is smarter because then you get the support you need and you can work faster and quicker and move ahead, you know? So um, yeah, I get support from everyone wherever I can. Yeah, it's so true. Cause like, that's kind of half the problem with social media. Everybody posts everything that's perfect. They'll take one, I don't know, holiday and you'll think, wow, they're having their best time or whatever, but that's just not how life is. And it, it is really hard just for anybody, whether you're much younger or even in your twenties or whatever it is, just to see this and you think, oh, but everybody's getting engaged. Everybody's getting this, everything. You're just like, why aren't I? So yeah, it's, that's probably why, as you said, people really resonate with you because you show the truth because that's yeah. just what we need some re like reality yeah absolutely perfect so you are part of the oprah winfrey leadership academy for girls which is a great initiative you know i think steph and i when we were thinking about the questions and everything we were talking about how oprah winfrey is just so iconic so that was really really cool when we found out about that so how did this opportunity actually come about and what do you actually have to do um being part of this initiative so just to um, to clarify, I visited the school. So the Oprah Winfrey Leadership Academy is a school. Um, so I visited the school. So I'm not part of like the school or anything like that um, or the initiative. But I did visit to speak to the girls there. Um, and it was a very actually um, one of the best experiences of my life um, to date. So I when I was in Oxford and I was stuck at that job that I hated, I, um, I was like brainstorming ideas and I was texting my friend, like, how funny would it be if I like quit my job and like move to South Africa to go work at Oprah school? Like, ha ha ha, like dumbest idea ever. And then my friend replied going, Oh, I actually know somebody who did that on like an exchange program. And I was like, oh, what? like shut up shut up this cannot be true I was losing my mind uh because when you go on the Oprah Winfrey Leadership Academy website there's no contact details there's nothing so I had heard she had a school but like I was like there's no way in the world unless I go to South Africa and drive there and find it myself like there's just no way Turns out my friend in America, her school had a program with um, OLAG, the Leadership Academy, and um, they had an exchange program. So she actually knew someone who knew the headmistress. So she introduces me to her friend. And then I tell her friend, like, oh, I want to go there and, like, teach entrepreneurship and just, like, confidence and help and help the girls um, and, like, mentor, whatever. Like, I'm, I'm happy to just let me be there. Um and she was like, this sounds really cool. You seem like a cool person. I'll introduce you to the headmistress. So I went from not even having a single contact number on the website to then being introduced to the headmistress of the school, literally from just sharing a dumb idea in my girls group chat on my lunch break. So I get introduced to the headmistress and I tell her like I'm part of this program called Shine, which was the mentoring program I was doing in Oxford. And I would love to like bring it to South Africa. And um, I'm also open, open to like teaching the girls about entrepreneurship, ETC, ETC. And um, she replied and she was like, thank you, Tiwa. Like, this looks really cool. We will review your application with the 1000 other applications we have this week. And I was just like, wait, 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 who are all these crazy people out there in the world trying to take my idea? And I was just like, no, that, that's not what you were meant to reply to me. You were meant to reply like, thank you so much. This looks great. When can you start? 
right? But no, it was like, there's 1,000 other people who have the same idea as you. And so we need to review those applications. So I was like, oh, damn. But I was just like, I've already come so far. Surely I'm going to get it. Um, anyways, a week later, I called them because they haven't called me. And I'm just like so eager to find out. And I called them and they were like, oh, thank you very much. But actually, we don't have the resources to accommodate you right now. And this program that you want to come and run is not actually what we need right now. So um, I was heartbroken, but I was like, you know, fair enough. They don't need the program. They already have other things going on that they've allocated their budget. So it is what it is. But that's the thing about rejection, right? Rejection doesn't mean you're not good enough. Rejection can mean the timing isn't right. Rejection can mean you still have a bit of work to do. It can mean, you know, the opportunity isn't right for you. Things like that. So I didn't, I cried, but I didn't take it personally. And instead I channeled that energy into starting confidence and killing it. So Um, I think a couple of months later, I hosted my first ever in-person session in um, Lagos. I recorded it. And then I did one in London. I recorded it. And I did one in New York. I recorded it. I put it all together. And then I got a new job. So I was living in London at this point. This is like a year later. And I'm being told that I'm going to South Africa for a work trip. And I'm like in the morning, I'm just like straightening my hair. And then like this voice just goes like, what if you just emailed like Olag again and see if you they would be up for just having you for the day? Like now you are confident and killing it. You have your own brand, like just see what they say. And I was like, I'm not going to get rejected twice. So if I do this, I was literally like talking to God. I was like, if I do this, it's a yes. Cause I'm not, I'm not getting rejected twice. Like no way. So I put the video of like all my talks together. And then I emailed the headmistress again. Like this is now like a year later after we first spoke. And I was like, hope you've been well. Like since we last spoke, I just wanted to give you an update of what I've been doing. Bam. Put my video in there. Like I started my own brand. I've been touring the world. <laughs> Like, I just like big myself up so much. And I was like, oh, I happen to be in South Africa for a work trip in the coming weeks. Like, how do you feel about me coming to like speak to the girls ETC? And she was like, wow, Tiva, this looks incredible. We would love to have you. So I literally arrived in South Africa. They drove to the airport. They picked me up. They brought me to the school. I met the girls. I gave a talk to them. Their energy was amazing. They were dancing. Like it was so much fun. Um, they they walked me around the school. So I've stepped on the same ground Oprah has stepped on. I'm just going to put it out there. <laughs> um, and then, and then yeah, they drove me back to the um airport and because the school is in Johannesburg and my work trip was in Cape Town so when I booked my flight from London I made sure like it was connecting through Cape Town and there was like a long layover (laughs) so that I could quickly go to the school and then come back and no one would ever know um and so yeah that is how I got there in the end so when you get rejected never give up always try again and the timing and the timing and what I was doing just wasn't right. It had nothing to do with me not being good enough because I tried again. Timing was better, less resources needed. It was just to pick me up from the day and I still got to live out my dream. So that is incredible. Such an amazing yeah. journey. <laughs> and I love there what you're saying as well about failure and definitely not to be too hard on yourself. Sometimes it's the timing's not working out or as you're saying, that resources, stuff like that. 
really important message there. Um, what plans do you have over the next few years for Confident in Killing It? Hmm. So I kind of ditched five-year plans. I don't really do five-year plans or even two-year plans, maybe one year max, but really I don't do them because what I was realizing was I was getting frustrated with my present moment because my present moment wasn't reflecting like the big future I had for myself, you know? So I have some things that I really want to do, but I'm not putting a timeline to say it must be achieved by this, this, and this date, because I just feel like that just puts unrealistic pressure on myself and it just doesn't make me feel good about my goals. So I know I want to do more stuff into t- in TV and like presenting. I want to, um, you know, maybe potentially have my own TV show or my own talk show where we can like build more on confident and killing it. Um, I would love to become like a best-selling author and, you know, have my books printed in different languages in different countries. Um, what else? Uh, I think those are like the main goals, like have a team where, you know, um, I can actually like the business functions without me and doesn't just rely on me and I can like have better work-life boundaries things like that I like the things I'm working on but I'm I'm slowly kind of ticking at them I haven't said by this day I want to achieve this this and this yeah that's actually really nice to hear because like you said when you're like oh I need I'm meant to do this in the next six months and you're nowhere near it just gives you more stress and you're just like I don't need that in my life yeah, yeah. like I know it's gonna happen but I'm not gonna be obsessing over when it's gonna happen and that's what I tell people about manifestation it's like have the vision do what you can, but you have to surrender some of it because you can't control every single thing about your life and what's going to happen to you. Like if you had met me um, three years ago and said, would you have a book in the next five years? I would have said probably not. Like I've envisioned myself writing a book when I was 40, not when I'm 30, right? I'm not even 30, I'm 29. So um, yeah, you just never know what life has in store for you. So I like to leave room for curiosity and for magic to happen. Amazing. Now, the next few questions are a little bit more about you and just getting to know you better because you've honestly entertained me very much. So I'm happy to go into these questions. Also, a really big congratulations on your engagement. I saw that on Instagram a little while ago. So do you have any travel plans coming up? Do you Are you one of those people, like I personally have a bucket list and I try to work through it, obviously also since we know we're moving ahead with stuff COVID wise, um, is there anywhere that you have on your bucket list or any travel plans you have coming up soon? Yeah. I mean, I have loads of travel plans, but they're just kind of like places I've already been before. Actually, I'm going to Istanbul in October and I've never been. So that should be quite cool. Um, but I really, I haven't been to Asia in a while. Um, so I've been to Thailand, but I haven't been to like Indonesia and Bali uh, places like that so I would really love to go and yeah and visit um do more of Asia um where else I have it's so funny like I'm such a big traveler and before the pandemic I used to plan everything but for some reason 2020 was like the only year where I hadn't planned anything and I was just gonna like go with the flow and then the pandemic happened so since then I never really plan stuff anymore like when it comes to travel and I just go with the flow um but yeah I think I've like 
oh, I'm going to Lisbon as well in September and I've never been to Lisbon. I hear really great things about Lisbon. So I'm excited to go there as well. Um, I haven't been to America in a while and my book is coming out in January next year in America. So um, I definitely will be going and spending some time there. So I'm excited about that too. So yeah. Will you maybe be having like a book tour? Uh, I hope so. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's not necessarily down to me, but yeah, I hope I would get a book tour. That would be pretty cool. Sounds like we've got some amazing travel plans lined up. Me and Nicola have been talking recently about all these different holidays, getting really excited and inspired. <laughs> yeah. um, looking back a bit, what did you want to be when you grew up? Is it sort of similar to the path you've found yourself on or is it sort of in all honesty, yeah, I can't even remember what I ever thought I wanted to be. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, I need to ask my mom that to see if I said anything, but <laughs> my parents are like creative entrepreneurs. So like in every like African or even like brown household, as soon as you walk in, you see some graduation picture blown up in the entrance. Like Nicola, you know what I mean, right? And my house, there is not one single graduation picture anywhere. Like I had to physically take down one of my mom's paintings and put my graduation photo there. Like they couldn't care. Like, obviously they're proud of all my accomplishments, but they're not like that phased about stuff. So I don't even think they asked me that. They just like let us experiment with whatever we wanted. So I know, um, I went through a phase of like, oh, do I want to be a doc? Like, I've just always had this drive to like do good things for people. So when I was doing my A-levels, I was like, oh, should I be a doctor? But then I was like, having to do chemistry and biology, like, no, 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 no. So then I was like, okay, I see myself more as like a business person and both my parents are entrepreneurs. So on my leavers form in A-levels, in our yearbook is like most likely to, and my leavers one says most likely to run an international business. And here we are today. So yeah, so I've always just wanted to do something that was like giving back and like, yeah, businessy. So yeah, kind of in alignment with that. But when I was five, I have no idea what I was thinking in all honesty. <laughs> Fair enough. I feel like we all go through that one phase at some point in life where we're like, should we pursue medicine, be a doctor? And then you kind of have the realization, like, I think I was quite young and I was like, I always wanted to be a dentist. I was quite young, but I just remember because I would always go just for a cleanup and I was like, oh, it's actually, it was always, it's always been expensive to go to the dentist. I was like, oh, you just, you know, put something in my mouth and I get that much money. I was like, that's cool. And I'm like, no, people actually have really not good teeth. So I was like, "Mm, maybe not. That would be a lot. Also, okay, not to scare you, but I recently found out like dentists have the highest suicide rates. Yes, yeah, see, I'm um, good. <laughs> oh, yeah, not, not a professional. Oh, I also, funnily enough, I grew up in a, a Christian household, so we went to mass a lot, we're Catholic. Mm-hmm. And so I actually wanted to be a nun at some point in my life because it just seemed like a really cool, like, thing to do. And then, obviously, as I grew older, I was like, uh, no. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay, perfect. So to wrap up, you've given lots of different bits of advice throughout the interview, but is there anything like one piece of advice that you could share with our listeners to really help them overcome their general low self-esteem? Yeah, I think we haven't really talked about imposter syndrome. And I think that's something that comes up a lot for people, whether it's they're starting something or they're doing something. And so I would always say like, 
Imposter syndrome is just temporary memory loss where you've forgotten all the amazing things about you. And part of British culture is to be, you know, humble, don't brag too much. Just like, you know, when people compliment you, like try not to like, you know, accept it too eagerly, you know, deflect it a bit. And it's like, that's all bullshit in all honesty. You should keep track of your wins and your accomplishments because there are so many messages in the world telling you you're not doing enough, you're not good enough, you're slow, people are winning, you're losing. You need to have a reminder that's letting you know actually you're on track and you've come such a long way. So I would say um, I have a free monthly wins tracker that people can download. And every single month I go into the tracker and I put in my small wins and my big wins every single month. And I see a whole calendar view of my wins. And it's so important to do that because when the self-doubt and the insecurity and the imposter syndrome comes, you need to remind yourself of why you deserve um, to be where you are or why you are even capable of being where you are, right? Because it's so easy to forget all the things we've achieved. And we remember so much all the times we failed and made mistakes. So I think it's important to realize that you need Confidence is intentionality. You're not just going to wake up one day and be a confident person. It doesn't work like that. Like the woman I am today, I built her through intentionality, right? So I have my systems, I have my processes that got me to this place of confidence. And it's a practice that you have to continuously doing. So I make sure like, you know, when my thoughts are negative, I challenge them. I know my strengths. I reflect on my strengths regularly. I read books that open my mind to new ways of thinking. So I think... It comes down to being intentional, celebrating yourself for how far you've come and really knowing yourself, who you are, what you want in life, what you have to offer, what you value and creating a life at the intersection of all of those things. I just really liked what you're just saying there about um, writing down small and big wins, because I feel like I personally always forget. And as soon as something's done and dusted, it's sort of focus on the next thing and constantly question it as well like can I do this am I going to be able to achieve that and you know you've got a track record there that shows that you are capable of it and just always seem to forget about that and begin the next worrying thing yeah and it's also scientifically proven that people who um, look back at their life with a sense of achievement and accomplishment actually feel more optimistic about their future because they go, if I did it before, I can do it again. So the next time you walk into a room and you're nervous or you're outside of your comfort zone, you're not like, oh, little me, how am I going to cope with this? You're like, actually, no, I've done this, this, this. I have experience in this, this, and this. I know I'm capable. Let me give it a go and try. And then you don't disqualify yourself. So it's so much bigger um, than what people think it is. It's actually life-changing to be able to acknowledge how far you've come and celebrate that. That's really interesting. Thank you. Some really good, insightful and inspiring um, advice there. Thank yeah. you so much. It's been such a pleasure to have you on the season three of the Lost and Found podcast, Kiva. Um, where can our audience find out more about yourself and confident and clear yet to keep up with your journey? Yeah, so I'm on um, most of, well, all of the platforms. So uh, Confident and Killing It on Instagram, um, Tiwalola on um, Instagram, LinkedIn, uh, TikTok, all, all kind of all the platforms, to be honest. And then my podcast is just the Confident and Killing It podcast. And my book is also Confident and Killing It on Amazon. So, yeah. Thank you, Tiwa. 
My pleasure. Thank you for having me. This has been the Lost and Founded podcast. If you liked this episode, make sure to head over to Instagram and let us know how you found it at Lost and Founded Pod. Wherever you listen to your podcast, be sure to follow and be notified about more inspiring stories and experiences.